Quiet on the set. Okay, everybody, quiet on the set. Scene one, take ten, Marker. From the studios of the Modern School of Film, welcome to Murmur. My name is Robert Malazzo, and over the next hour together, we'll explore where culture meets craft. Today on Murmur, now that's totally cool, almost. Singer, writer, Ingrid Michelson is with us. Welcome. properly dressed for the occasion. What's the occasion? Have him come up, Max. Up the stairs. Suppose you listen to me for just a minute. Madame is waiting. For me? Okay. If you need any help with the coffin, call me. This way. In here. I put him on my massage table in front of the fire. He always liked fires and poking at them with a stick. I've made up my mind we'll bury him in the garden. Any city laws against that? I wouldn't know. I don't care anyway. I want the coffin to be white, and I want it specially lined with satin. White. Or deep pink. Maybe red. Bright, flaming red. Let's make it gay. How much will it be? I warn you, don't give me a fancy price just because I'm rich. Lady, you got the wrong man. I, I had some trouble with my car, flat tire. I pulled into your garage until I could get a spare. I thought this was an empty house. It is not. Get out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you lost your friend. And I don't think red is the right color. Wait a minute, haven't I seen you before? I know your face. Get out, or shall I call my servant? You're Norma Desmond. Used to be in silent pictures, used to be big. I am big. It's the pictures that got small. Uh-huh. I knew there was something wrong. They're dead. They're finished. There was a time in this business when they had the eyes of the whole wide world. But that wasn't good enough for them. Oh, no. They had to have the ears of the world, too. So they opened their big mouths, and out came talk. Talk, talk! That's where the popcorn business comes in. You buy yourself a bag and plug up your ears. Look at them in the front offices. The masterminds! They took the idols and smashed them. 
The Fairbankses, the Gilberts, the Valentinos. And who have we got now? Some nobodies. Don't blame me. I, I'm not an executive, just a writer. You are writing words, words, more words. Well, you've made a rope of words and strangled this business. <laughs> but there's a microphone right there to catch the last gurgles. And Technicolor to photograph the red swollen tongue. You wake up the monkey. Get out! Back! Next time I'll bring my autograph album along. Or maybe a hunk of cement and ask for your footprint. Every murmur is one subject and one guest. Today's subject, nostalgia. One of only seven feature films made by the great Russian filmmaker Andrei Tarkovsky is 1983's Nostalgia. The film is about a writer who visits a Tuscan village uh, to research an 18th century Russian composer who committed suicide. During that research, uh, the visitor begins to miss his home, his mother Russia. And that was sort of the basis of this film, Nostalgia. Nostalgia. It was of particular interest to Tarkovsky, who later traveled a lot, had to leave his home. He compared nostalgia to a disease. He said nostalgia is an illness that drains away the strength of the soul, the capacity to work, the pleasure of living. But he also saw a bright side of nostalgia. He called it a profound compassion that binds us not so much with our own privation, our longing, our separation, but rather with the suffering of others. Nostalgia is a passionate empathy. Well, today's guest may or may not uh, agree with any or some of the above, the light and the dark of nostalgia. Her work in her world seems to be full of these totems, home, warmth, comfort, happiness, and healing from her family's artwork that adorns her living space. Her grandmother was an artist. Her mother was a sculptor. Her father worked in music publishing, but later as a composer himself, uh, to her own practice as a celebrated singer-songwriter and soon-to-be musical theater composer. And that composing is composing the score to the musical of The Notebook, which is more nostalgia. Of course, her most recent release is Stranger Songs, a record of 11 songs inspired by an homage to Stranger Things, which in and of itself 
itself is about nostalgia. Are you getting the theme here? She can't get away from nostalgia, basically. <laughs> <laughs> There's also rumors that she has a Christmas tree as early as October. Nobody's perfect. Let's settle some of these rumors and some of the light and the dark of nostalgia. She once said, I love having art that my mother created around me. They were made in a very special way. I have news for her, so is she. Please welcome to Murmur and to the Modern School of Film, Professor Ingrid Michelson. Hey, Ingrid, how are you? Hi. Oh, I like being called Professor. That makes me feel very smart. Thank you. <laughs> well, you and I both wear glasses, so we got to look the part. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's all you, that's all you need to be called Professor. Just wear some glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Fake it till you make it. Thanks for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. I did something I hate to do, but I read some of your Twitter uh, posts. Don't get scared. Um, the one that you posted recently tied into something we're talking about. You heard the word pumpkin spice latte, and you thought Jingle Bells people. And I was like, Jesus, Ingrid, don't go there. It's fucking August. Uh, I know. <laughs> no, but, but, but I love Christmas so much that I, I I start getting myself like I've I've already I'm pretty much done with all my Christmas shopping and I actually started wrapping presents the other day. Are you, are you kidding? Because I'll end this. I'll turn this interview around. I'm not. I'm not kidding. Holy. It, it goes deep for me. <laughs> yeah, it does. I want to actually touch upon the depth, but and I'm just taking the piss a little bit. But when do you put the tree up? Don't tell me the tree is up, please. No, no, no. It goes up the day after. Um, well, usually it goes up the day after Thanksgiving because that's when the Christmas trees are on sale in Brooklyn. <laughs> but last year, last year I went on tour and I was gone for almost all of um, November into the first half of December. So we got our Chris. We got a fake Christmas tree for the first time. I never have in my life, but. I wasn't going to be around to really enjoy it. So we put it up the day after October, after um, Halloween. Wow. So that I could have some time with it. What, what did it say to you? I mean, did you take it out? Did you did you buy it things? I mean, you did buy things, but <laughs> did you talk sweet nothings to it? What does that mean? Like you in a room with a Christmas tree. What the hell is going on there? I think, I think growing up, I just had, it was just such a special time in my house and you know, we, we lived in a big old Victorian house in Staten Island, and um, my parents loved old things as well. Um, talk about nostalgia. My father was the most nostalgic person. The Swedish people tend to be very nostalgic, I've learned. And it was just always just such an amazing time for me as a child. And I even, I'm very specific about my my Christmas lights. They have to be the large, not LED lights, they have to be those large glass bulbs that are multicolored. I like, I hate when people just have little white lights on their trees. It just feels so inauthentic to me. <laughs> so I specifically have like old fashioned light bulbs for my, for the Christmas tree. It's just like, I wish I could have it up all year round. It's just the most beautiful, warm, glowy, you know, wonderful sight to behold um but it wouldn't be special if it was up all year round i realize that so 
that's probably the only reason why it's not up all year round is because I know I wouldn't I wouldn't look for I I want something to look forward to you know what would you say to people who kind of look at those moments as oh not the holidays again um, or oh not that moment in time that don't want to be transported back you know what I mean D- don't want objects to transport them back what would you say to those people like me <laughs> you get a triggering feeling from the holiday season. Well, one of the reasons I want to talk about nostalgia is I'm on the fence about it because I think, you know, nostalgia lives in this like bittersweet space. I want to talk about a little bit of both, but let's, since we're talking about the sweet of the holiday season, talk a little bit about the bitter of it. Like how do you adjust during those high, I hate the word trigger, but I'm going to use it because you use it, but those moments of like those almost fetishistic past moments. As I said, it was a wonderful time in my house, with my family, and both my parents are, are gone now. So I remember thinking am I going to hate the holiday season? Is it going to remind me of, you know, my family? And then I'm going to be reminded that I don't have them anymore. And yes, obviously those moments are there. Um, But for me, I've made an active decision to live in the joyful spirit that I always had. And just made that decision. I was like, I'm not going to let that be taken away from me. I can, I can compartmentalize. I can mourn the loss of my family and I can truly miss them and have deep moments of longing and sadness. And I can also let that flow through me and then bake some fucking brownies and watch Elf for the 15th time and feel really (laughs) happy and play with my little niece and get her all the presents in the world. And you know, it's, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. It is, what you said before, I do feel like it is a disease because in a way it just, it's relentless. If you really do, if you really are a nostalgic person, it's, it's, um, and it it does make it difficult to live in your, in your current moment because you're always sort of basking in the glow of yesteryear. Um, but for the most part, I find solace in that somehow. I don't know. It doesn't, and maybe it's just a, d- a decision that I made somewhere along the line to not let my nostalgia drown me, but to 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 kind of float on top of it. I, I, I'm going to say this as if you're not hearing it. I think it's an incredibly brave decision, honestly. And I love the fact that you're saying it's a decision. And I in no way mean or meant to sound glib cause about loss. Oh, no. You know, and, and I know your mom passed, rest her soul, 2014. Your dad, 2018. My My condolences, because those losses don't, it's not just, years you know these are lifetime losses you know and also your grandmother was an artist you know and not to put art on top of it but but that's like nostalgia on nostalgia because they've given you and you've taken totems of their work Mm -hmm. i know your apartment has their work your your grandmother's work uh on the walls like you surround yourself like a blanket is that too goddamn poetic for this early in the morning no i actually literally quite literally last week i received a package in the mail and it was this um, this company that I sent a bunch of, of my and my boyfriend's old T-shirts that we never wear. I sent it to them and they make it into a blanket. We didn't want to throw away these shirts because they're special shirts because they mean something to us. We never wear them anymore. So we'll, they literally just created into a quilt. So I literally have a blanket. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's great. That I just got last week. Um, but yeah, I think I, I like, I love family. I love legacy i love i love my past i had a really lovely childhood and a really I've, i'm having a very blessed fortunate existence 
And it's, you know, I'm very lucky, so lucky in that way. You know, if you're not as fortunate as I am, I'm sure being nostalgic isn't always great because you're, <laughs> you're looking back at things that are traumatic. Um, but but, but, you, but you, you don't sound Pollyannish about it at all. You sound very... Uh, purposeful, not to use the word again, I love how you've carved this out. Look, and honestly, let's be honest, no one is immune. Even the best of family circumstances, it can bring back a, a boyfriend or a lost pet. It's not just about family or not. So I don't, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not, you don't have to throw off any of the other parts of it. I appreciate your balance part of it. And I'll just say one other, before we get to the positive, you know, <laughs> nostalgia was actually once uh, a medical diagnosis. <laughs> In 17, this is what I did with my last week. In 1754, <laughs> it was actually in French army manuals, medical manuals, nostalgia. And one last thing before you hang up on me in disgust. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Civil War, American Civil War, the first two years, right, there were reported 2,500 cases of nostalgia. Aww. And 13 deaths of this cause. Isn't that wild? Like reporting nostalgia to a physician? Isn't that kind of it's wild? Like- well, it's like dying of a broken heart, that that old chestnut. Um, <laughs> that old saw. <laughs> I mean, I definitely, it definitely can be debilitating for sure. Um, and what, and then what that can lead to, who knows? But um, yeah, I can, I, 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 I see it. I see it. It's, it can be akin to, you know, or, or a sister to depression for sure. It's, 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 it's a, it's a coin. And there's two sides and you have to, you know, the, you can, you can either keep flipping it back and forth or you can stay on one side, I guess. Um, find it healthy to flip back and forth. <laughs> I, I love that. We're speaking with Ingrid Michelson here and Murmur. I love that also because they define each other, like light defines dark. These are cohabitations, you know, and we need them for one another. But I want to look at kind of the brighter side for a second, because it's interesting before we get to like your recent work, your work in general has maybe even pathologically or incidentally touched on nostalgia. I was thinking of the video you made for your song, Girls Chase Boys, which was around 2014. And correct any of this is, if my math is off, which was a remake of the video from the 80s, uh, Simply Irresistible, Robert. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Robert Palmer. That was groovy. Was there an intent, obviously, to be that homage? But was that cool, living in the Simply Irresistible video? Was that a cool feeling? Yeah, I I came up, I don't even know really how I came up with the idea. I think I was looking at other iconic videos that had dancing in it, um, just to get inspiration. And I watched that video and I muted the video and I played girls chase boys, this uh, song and my song. And I, and I was like, Oh, this is really funny and kind of weird. And yeah, it is. I guess it is. An, <laughs> it's definitely nostalgic because it's leaning on, on, on content from the eighties, but it was really, it was really interesting and bizarre and fun. And um, it was also I think I spent more time in a makeup chair than I did actually in front of the camera because a lot of the work was done by the dancers. That was like very fun. And I got to watch, you know, sit and watch through the camera and, it was, a, it was a really fun video. You know, I was thinking about Robert Palmer a little bit. I uh, remember the power station, Some Like It Hot. That's how old I am. Um, you know, the 80s video. And I was on my way over here to record this. I saw an edible arrangement. And I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking, should some things be not nostalgia, but where are they now? <laughs> and like live there? Do, are there certain things you miss? Like in certain things, maybe you don't miss. Do you miss? I mean, edible arrangements, I want to miss that. You know those edible arrangements? 
I use edible arrangements all the time. Come on. I'll hang up. I will literally hang up. It's the perfect gift <sighs> for like Fuck. a mother's Mother's Day or Father's Day. I don't have a mother or a father, but my boyfriend does and the, the uh, mother of you know my, my boyfriend's um ex-wife i sent her edible arrangements it's, it's an edible arrangement you can have chocolate dipped strawberries delivered to your house what's wrong with that <laughs> oh yeah god you know i knew we weren't gonna get along i'm from queens you know um, well, i just want to say <laughs> I, li- I know that tone in your voice but i lived in park slope many years no ago. my dad grew up in queens my dad lived in queens for you know 30 years 30 years of his life and he and he landed on his feet as a publisher and a composer. Yeah, he was fine. As we moved to a midsection, I was thinking about Staten Island, the mansions, like the big. You know, yeah, there's all parts of Staten Island, and we know the rich hip hop scene and and other parts of it. But there's so many beautiful mansions and big historical parts. So in a way, it's kind of a bed of nostalgia. Well, there's definitely a lot of oldness on the island. I mean, I grew up in a house that was built in 1904. Um, so that alone, you know, is ingrained in me. And we still have the house. And my brother and my sister-in-law and niece are living there now. So um, and we still have, you know, the basement is filled with all of our artwork and my mother's pieces of sculptures and my dad's radios. And it's just like my parents evidently were nostalgic or just didn't care, but they kept so much stuff. There's so much stuff. They never threw anything away. But there are a lot of really beautiful old, old homes on the island. I mean, it used to be a, a farming island. And then the Verrazano Bridge was built. And everybody from Brooklyn came over and, and things started to change. But it, it is um, it's definitely the, the most rural of the boroughs. <laughs> it was. That's a hard thing to say. No, I got your accent. <laughs> Rowell of the boroughs. The boroughs. Can we talk about it? Um, you said something really interesting. You said it brings me back. Nostalgia brings you back to your childhood. It's the best kind of escapism, and I find seeking that now more than ever. That's interesting. Is that just kind of a, as a human being, finding like temporally in a, as a modern woman, as a modern creator, do you feel yourself wanting those blankets now? Yeah, I think the loss of of um of parents is a really big one especially when you're in your 30s and you're not and you don't have children it's not the norm for people in my peripheral my peers my friends my family people i know not many people have lost both their parents before they're 40 and are childless so you know you lose a parent you look at your child like well i have this little child i have this little person that's growing up I didn't have that I didn't have anything to to sort of pin my hopes on so I think it just makes you feel like a little lost kid and and what you know makes you look back at times when you felt safe and you you had that you know that warmth and that love and that protection um so I think that's you know what's what's kind of happening in my brain and I've as I said I've always looked back but um but it, it it got increasingly more intense over the last few years for sure I, I don't mean to diminish what you're saying but i will 
correct in my estimation you do have children you just gave birth to 11 more this year and you and (laughs) i I will never forgive the the ones you gave birth to in 2018 because they were holiday themed but we can take that up at a different time um (laughs) but you know your your work i mean i I don't mean to sound like that guy but i i i do think of art that way and i think of you that way and i think of artistry that way um but i was also thinking i want to shade a a couple more thoughts about nostalgia i want to shade it a little bit differently can it be an addiction nostalgic can you get too nostalgic you know we use words like vintage or retro or kitsch can you live too deeply in that can you readjust things so much that you're actually missing something i mean i think it really just depends on if you can function or not (laughs) i don't want to judge anybody (laughs) the talk is over (laughs) i don't know i don't want to judge anybody um for for living you know in the past to quote unquote too much. I don't know what that, I don't know really what that means. I think if it's affecting your life and your relationships and in, the, in that case, yes, it's, it, you might need to dial things back a little bit. Um, but, but there's, to me, it's, it's, it's a touchstone. Like I think to cut it off would be impossible. I mean, I, I, it's interesting that you say you don't want to look back because as soon as I lost my mom, the first thing I did was go through all old pictures, everything and take pictures of pictures. And I just couldn't like absorb enough information. Um, I had to like, just like stick the knife in immediately, I guess, so to speak. It, it, and I find that brave. I find that brave. Sorry. Yeah. I, I guess everybody processes things, things differently, but I, I really don't, I don't, I, I imagine there's too, there's always too much of every of of something. There can always be too much of something. I think it just matters how how you get through your day to day. And if you can't get through your day to day, then yeah, I think you're indulging a little too much. I personally think you have an edible arrangements addiction. But again, we could check that up in our in, in our. <laughs> it's un- just easy. It's an easy gift. Come on, don't don't you know don't awesome? don't. But the older people get, they don't want things. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, I don't want things anymore. Don't give me more things. I can get my own things. Just give me some, like, <laughs> I, love, I, I love when people give me food. I like how holistically you see things. <laughs> I, I, I want to talk, it's funny, you know, I was thinking about um, Stranger Songs, uh, listening to it a lot this week. And, and, and I was thinking, we kind of live in this in this nostalgic culture, bear with me for a second. You know, the songs on the record, uh, Christmas lights, we, you know, we've talked about your love and deep connections with holidays. You have a song called mother and yes, you could look at that in so many ways, but I was thinking of your mom as I was listening to it. Uh, take me home. All the other songs are, are from the point of view of one of one or more of the characters from stranger things, right. With plot lines. And obviously my own, it is in there as well like with mother it's from the point of view of one of the characters who's lost his mother and and of the 11 a character who's looking seeking out her mom and it's the idea of like where is this person who i feel safe with but it's also from my own point of view um but take me home which is the last one on the record that's really my that's me that's not the show that's just my point of view that's the reason why i made the whole record and the bridge is the real seed of the whole thing and the bridge words are it breaks my heart to know that i can't go back in time and live these moments for forever and that is a true feeling that i think is the the idea of nostalgia this ache that you know you can't ever go back 
and to have that moment, have those moments again. And I, I, it's, it's, um, it's, and it's a real, it is, a, you know, I, I could see soldiers dying or feeling close to, to death I, in these unbearable conditions, missing and longing for their homes so desperately. Because if I feel that feeling so deeply, I can't imagine what, what those men were feeling. But that's the whole reason why I made that record is that one line pretty much is the seed of the whole concept of the record. You are a soldier of nostalgia, if, if I can say so. Not to equate the two, but I think of you that way. One or two last thoughts here with Ingrid Michelson here on Murmur, graciously giving us some time. Busy year, busy artist. Um, was thinking also about like the world we live in on an artistic side from, I'm going to use the word like geek culture, fan culture, geekdom. It's interesting, baked in that is nostalgia, isn't it? But I was, here's the question, because I was thinking about this morning, if you go to a Comic-Con with, or any fan-based thing, around Stranger Things or the X-Men Part 22 or whatever, would would they take offense that they just love nostalgia? Not to diminish it, but is is it more, is fan culture more than nostalgia? Is it is it kind of empathy or, or kind of vicariousness or, you know, wanting to be Wolverine and Storm? Yeah, I mean, it's the feeling that I got when I, when I went, when I watched the Harry Potter movies, but specifically when I went to, Harry Potter world in um, LA or Orlando. I went to both actually, but it's this feeling of, I, 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 and I went as a grown adult, but I remember thinking if I was a kid and I read the books, watched the movies and I came to this, you know, Harry Potter experience in Universal Studios, I would be so, my mind would be blown. I would want every wand and I would want to, you know, like, it's just like the idea that, that this, I, and, and, and I also had this feeling of this achy feeling in my chest of like, I know as a kid, I would want this to be real so badly and seeing all of this stuff come to life and in 3d and in front of you and not in a movie, not in a book. I think it would, it would affect me in such a way if I was younger that I would, it would blow my mind. I would be obsessed with it. And I think that for whatever reason, as of late society is allowing adults to have this feeling and not I mean we, we've always had the feeling it's just we were adults and we're you know we have to do the xyz and it seems like society is embracing this feeling of, of escapism and wanting to pretend and wanting to play and I think that's the root of all of it and I'm sure there are ties to to a nostalgic feeling of being younger and, and letting yourself become absorbed in this world that's not real. One person's nostalgia is another person's modernity yeah. now, in the sense of if you have a young boy walking down a street or a young girl dressed as Hermione and sees an older woman dressed as Hermione, they must think, dude, or do that, get a life, but they're living that life. But in a, So in a way, there's an co- interesting reverberation around nostalgia now. I think you're right. I think so. I think, it's, I think there's something happening that's allowing adults to be children, in a way to, to, to play, um, and to allow for that space in their life. Whereas in the past there was more, you know, I don't even, I don't really know. It seemed like there was a stricter, a stricter line that at least in America, you know, adults were supposed to tell this, 
specific line. But, you know, my brother goes and plays War Machine with people and he's 42 years, 41 years old as a child. And he'll go to a tournament and like sit around and play with these figures that he paints. And he, he was those kids in Stranger Things. Like, I was the little sister. That's exactly the time period. I wasn't the age of those kids. I was a little younger than them. But my brother was that age. He was playing Dungeons and Dragons. Like, that was him. And I think that's also why I connected with the show so much. It just reminded me of, of being young and my brother. And even, like, 10 years ago, I would, like, roll my eyes. And he's like, I have a tournament. So I'm like, oh, my God, a tournament. <laughs> and now it's, like, totally cool almost. You know, it's like, oh, awesome. Yeah, you want yeah. a samurai sword. Like, he literally won. That was one of the things he won. And it's, I think people like my brother are, are like, oh, my God. Like, we're actually allowed to, we're allowed to enjoy. We don't have to go play, like, you know, basketball with the bros. We can go to a, a war machine tournament. And it's like, so there's there's definitely a culture shift happening that's allowing allowing this to happen. Um, I don't know what it, why it is. I'm hoping I'll come back in style. You know what I mean? It'll just Everything just comes back, yeah. Awesome. You know, it's one thing, as we say goodbye, just one or two quick thoughts. I was thinking about maybe why, because your answer was so eloquent. I was thinking... You know, there was a time maybe when you and I were younger in the 80s and even in the 50s when we weren't alive that people used to dream of the future. You know, cars that couldn't do this or, you know, toasters that can toast their own toast. I think we've stopped thinking of that because I think we're at a place where we believe anything is possible now. <laughs> you know, if you can believe it. Yeah. So in a way, we don't think of sci-fi future. We kind of live in these other these altered states. Does that hold any water with you in the sense of we're just waiting for it to happen now? We don't wonder if it yeah. So in a way, we're marinating in these past states, maybe. It, to me, that's sad, though, because like then there's no more wonder. It's like children are growing up, you know, looking at these Snapchat filters that turn their face into a dog, and they don't. They just think that's normal. They don't think that's amazing. You know, it's it's sad to me. But I guess you know when we were growing up, a TV wasn't amazing. But to our grandparents, a TV was amazing at one point. You know, we we. We go, it's like a goldfish will only grow as big as its bowl. It's like that's we're, we're we keep getting fed and our bowl keeps getting bigger and we keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I it's there, there is the sadness in that you know people don't know what it's like to not have a phone on them at all times. And I look longingly back at the days when I wasn't glued to my phone. I have a definite phone addiction, but at least I know what it was like to not have one. Right, 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 right. Well, it, it, but it, it, it is sad that we're, that we're, you know, have you seen the show years and years? No. So it's, it's pretty brutal. Um, it's about the future, the not so distant future. And it's really beautifully, interestingly done, but it causes a lot of anxiety and panic because it's, it, it feels like things like this could happen. And it does have um, these technological advances like peppered in, but it like, it'll skip a year. It'll skip a year. It'll skip a year. So it, it, it moves very quickly, which is why it's called years and years. Oh, wow. But what I love about the show is that the main hub is this one house and it's old and it's not updated and it's old. It just has this older feeling and wallpaper and little knickknacks. And it's, it's the matriarch's home, the, the great grandmother's home. And even throughout all these things that are all new and strange technologies, 
they still marry that with the nostalgia of the past. And it's not even decorated like the 80s or the 90s. or the, it's, It feels like it's like, you know, the way my house was decorated growing up with overstuffed velvet chairs and lots of bookshelves and oriental rugs and wallpaper. And that, you know, that sort of like classic British library chic, you know, um, and it kind of looked like it, it looked like that kind of a home. And I thought that was such an interesting choice to have all these futuristic things happening and all these horrible things happening in the world. And, but they all kind of would, would always converge at this home. that was like very nostalgic and rooted in something that was way before any of them. Wow. Because through it all, there's always going to be the past. You know what I mean? So it's very eloquent. <laughs> You you are, um, and it's funny. You're making me want to watch that show, and I don't watch a lot of shows. And I'm not trying to be that guy who doesn't watch shows. I just don't. But um, and don't hate me. And you can hang up if you hate me. I've never seen Stranger Things. Does that totally suck? No, I, it's it's every, it's whatever you want to do in life. You're missing out. It's an amazing show. But story of my life. But do you think I was thinking about this irony? Do you think we'll be t- people in fifty years will be talking about Stranger Things, the show? And I, I, that's not an insult. It's meant as a weird compliment that it's a type of show that exists in a snow globe. I'm using snow globe to honor your love for the seasons. Um, it, 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 you're welcome. Anytime. Keep the change. But it, you know. It's almost in a snow globe that it's not built to be talked about in 50 years' time in a good way. But do you think we'll talk about a show like uh, Stranger Things in 50 years' time? Well, it's, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty enor- enormous and all-consuming right now. Um, that said, I, you know, there's so much TV that and who knows what's going to happen in 50 years. I do think it is the kind of show that has touched many people across the globe. And I think it has touched many different ages of people, which I don't think many shows do. It hits kids from, you know, young teens to people that are, uh, uh, that I know that are in their fifties and sixties and probably beyond. And I don't know many shows that are global like that. And that touch on so many, such a large age range. No, I I, I I think in that. Yeah. Yeah. I think in that way it is a very special piece, um, but I have I have absolutely no idea what will happen in 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 fifty years. I don't know. When I travel, I see Stranger Things shirts and Wu Tang Clan shirts, so it's like certain things. Do you get nostalgic, and do you get homesick when you travel when you tour? Oh yes, it's dreadful. I I hate I hate being away from my my home. I love my home very much. But I bring, you know, my blanket and I bring Christmas movies and (laughs) (laughs) I usually tour in the fall. We usually go on tour in the fall. So, yeah, I buy candles and I, you know, I I do love being with my friends and being seeing new places. I love traveling. It's just that when it gets to be like five or six weeks away, then then it starts to get harsh. Before the last question, uh, dare I ask, what's your go to? holiday film i hate them all but what's your go-to there are many i don't i if i was pressed to tell you which is the one that like i think holds the most the biggest part of my heart i would say is a christmas story yes 
Love it. I love that. It's nostalgic now because it's from the 80s, but it was always nostalgic because it was supposed to be taking taking place in the 50s. And I visited the house in Cleveland and I did the whole tour. <laughs> That's awesome. <and> <laughs> That's awesome. I've done it twice. Did you shoot your eye out? A real fan would I've shoot. I've never shot mine. No. no, he didn't shoot his eye out. I forget. Oh, the kickback. The kickback of the gun. That's right. Knocked his back stuff. But then he lied and said it was an icicle. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Ralphie, man. So... I want to regale you with a two-second story. Um, I do these screenings in New York um, where I talk to people about movies they love, and I was doing one with Kenny Lonergan, Kenneth Lonergan, writer-director. I got an email out of the blue from someone, can I have two tickets to tonight's show? I didn't recognize the email, and it was signed Winona Ryder. Oh, wow. And I was like, um, I was like, yeah, and I'm the fucking king of, of Prussia, mall. And no, she said, no, I'm really... Winona Ryder. I was like, yeah, you just want two? I can get you like three rows if you like. And I went, and I wasn't looking for her, but after the show, this really nice, tiny, not to be pejorative, but like she was small, and there's a point, came up to me and said, oh, I really love the screening. Great job. I was like, thanks. And she walked away, and someone said, that was Winona Ryder. I was like, motherfucker. Wow. She didn't look, and this is kind of the point as we end, you know, she didn't, not to say look, but like she was small. I thought she was an NYU student, and that, oh, that's yeah. how amazing. Well, that's how she looks amazing. My point right. is, isn't it interesting also how we misremember? Do you ever worry about misremembering in your nostalgia, or do you not even give a shit? Or is misremembering no. part of the joy of nostalgia? We're always misremembering. Whenever you have a memory, you're having a memory of a memory. You're not having the memory of the actual incident. So your brain is always micro changing things anyway. So. I don't care as long as it makes me happy. <laughs> I don't care what I'm remembering. If I've created something, that's fine with me too. Um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I was a uh, um, David Mamet's assistant, David Mamet, the writer director on a film called state in Maine. Um, and there's a great scene. And I was thinking about you. There was a great scene. There's a great scene in state in Maine where the late ironically, Phil Seymour Hoffman breaks his glasses and Rebecca Pitchin is uh, repairing the glasses and he gets down that his glasses are broken. And she says something that made me think of you. She said, um, they're better than new because they got a story now. And that's kind of what nostalgia is in a way. It's information, it's emotion, and it's a story. Mm-hmm. I love that about your work. And, and I want to thank you for being so eloquent about your own nostalgia and your own newness because you can, they can coexist. The old and the new can coexist. Well, they have to. Yeah, that's what my parents keep telling me. Um, <laughs> hey, next time we do this, I'd love to do it in one of the boroughs when I'm back in New York. Maybe we could chat in person or just do something more fun. And I promise no death statistics about the Civil War, no Russian... No, I find that very interesting. Okay. Well, then if we do that, I expect an edible arrangement. Is that a fair trade-off? <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, I'll bring one for you. <laughs> Take care of yourself, safe travels, bring your blanket, and maybe we'll catch up again down the line. Thanks, Ingrid. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye. But now, now, I stand alone with my pride Fighting back the tears I never let myself cry But that was yesterday Love was torn from my hands But it's not the end of my world It's a little hard to understand
I want to thank Ingrid Michelson for being here with us today on Murmur. I want to thank you for being here with us today on Murmur. You could be with us all the time on Murmur. Download the show, subscribe to the show, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. Leave us a review on iTunes, that helps. Follow us on social media, that helps. At MSF Murmur, Twitter, Instagram. If you have a subject you would like me to pair with a guest, email me directly, murmurradio at gmail.com. The website is murmurradio.com. You can look back. Just don't stare. See ya.